Hi, and welcome to Where the White Coats Come Off. We are Katie and Beth, and we are here to help you get into PA school and then get through PA school. We want to be here for you every single day as your mentors to help you along your way and through this sometimes overwhelming process of getting into PA school and finally starting your dream career. Before we get started, we want to tell you about something special. If you're trying to get into PA school but feeling overwhelmed, stressed, or not sure how to even begin, we totally get it. We've been there and we have seen so many candidates either delay applying to PA school or run out of time and rush through their application or worse yet, make huge mistakes on their CASPA application that costs them an interview. Through our years of teaching at PA programs, we have seen applicants make these same mistakes over and over again and we don't want that to be you. We want you to land a seat and to get into PA school. If you dream of becoming a physician assistant, we want to help you achieve that dream and you can totally achieve that dream even with a less than perfect application. You can absolutely become a PA and there's no such thing as a perfect application. It's all about making sure you don't make the mistakes we've seen and making sure you do the things that make you stand out from the crowds. We will teach you everything you need to know in our application to acceptance course. Check it out in the show notes or at go.prepaclinic.com slash course. Again, in the show notes or go.prepaclinic.com slash course. Today's episode is with Ariel Campa, and we are so excited to have her on. She is a current PA student. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I'm excited. So tell the listeners a little bit about your background and about yourself. Yeah, so as you said, I'm Ariel Campa. I'm just beginning my clinical rotations. Uh, I go to PA school here in sunny San Antonio, Texas, which I'm also from. So thankfully, I'm a hometown student, and when I'm not in PA school, usually as rarely says, I'm always doing something PA school related, as I'm sure you both know very well. Uh, I do have a five-year-old daughter, so I am spending time with her when I'm not in class or on rotations, and I'm a cat mom, as you can see, my little guy, Raphael. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's me in a nutshell, mom, PA student, and podcaster. Well, this is excellent. Yeah, it sounds like you're super busy. And we definitely want to dive in a little bit uh, later in the episode about like how being a mom PA student is a little bit different probably than from other um, PA students that maybe don't have that responsibility. But first off, we'd love to hear about your path to PA school. So when did you first learn about the PA profession and become interested? And then how did that PA application process look for you? Sure. So I actually have a parent who is a PA. So my dad is a practicing PA, so I'm kind of unique in that sense that I grew up knowing what a PA was, or at least from, you know, that background of having a parent who was one and being fairly familiar with the profession. Uh, my mother is actually in the medical field as well. She is an ultrasound tech at a local hospital. So I kind of just like grew up with medicine around me and definitely embraced it. I wasn't always sure what exact role I wanted to play. Um, of course, I dabbled with both of my parents' careers, so thinking sure. about that, anything from nursing as well, pre-med route is where I kind of ended up when I was in undergrad. So I have a crazy, a bit of a crazy story to PA school. Definitely, I like to call it traditional turned non-traditional route. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I was a pre-med, uh, an undergrad, you know, checking all the boxes, doing all of the prereqs, everything like that. I ended up in podiatry school, 
in New York City, I was there for uh, first semester, and then I found out I was going to be a mother to a beautiful young girl right there. <laughs> yeah, so then uh, of course had to take a step back, had to kind of pivot, come up with what was my new game plan going to be because I wasn't that wasn't necessarily in my game plan at the time. Sure. And I I was in New York City. Her dad and I ended up getting married at the time. I'm no longer married. But, you know, just like all of that going on and being a young 20-something was definitely an experience. So I kind of pivoted, took a medical leave of absence, came back to Texas, decided that I wanted to be more present for my daughter's first years of life. So ultimately did not go back to podiatry school. Um, but I am always been an avid learner, lifelong learner. I have a love for education as well, aside from medicine. So I ended up enrolling in a master's program here in Texas, getting my master's in education and teaching at an elementary school. Oh. So yeah, so did that for a little bit. Um, I started that when my daughter was five months old, did that. However, in the back of my head, I still couldn't get out the idea of like, I, I do love medicine and, and I wanna be a provider but I also have this young child and I want to be present for her. And ultimately I decided that I wanted to set an example for her that if I have a dream and if she has a dream one day down the road, even if, you know, unexpected things happen, even if she is a mother or whatever it is, you know, you in insert here X, Y, Z dilemma that she could still pursue her dream. So I said, you know what? I don't know if I will even get in. I, obviously, PA school was something that I had already known about with my dad being a PA. But I honestly didn't even think before I had my daughter that I would even get in to PA school, to be completely honest. So I was like, well, you know what? This aligns directly with like the lifestyle that I want and all of my, like it checks all the boxes and I'm familiar with it and I, I can see myself as a PA. So what do I have to lose? Let me just give it a shot and hope for the best, prepare for the worst type of thing. And thankfully I did get in to my surprise. And so then I just went from there and have been going along the way so far as a single parent in PA school. So figuring it out and just doing the best and I'm happy with where I'm at. So I'm very, very thankful and blessed to be here along this crazy path. You're a superhero. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I think this is something our listeners really need to hear that, you know, everybody's path to PA school is different. And we tell them that. And so you really embody that. You embody that. Okay. Things in your life happen that, you know, you weren't expecting. And so you took a moment, uh, you know, you became a teacher, you started teaching, then you realized that PA is still your passion. And so you're pursuing it, you know, despite the fact that maybe you have more challenges or maybe you have more responsibilities on your time um, than you did, you know, way back when. And so I absolutely love that because I want people to believe that. That yes, you can do it. You can be a mom and go to PA school. You know, you can go to PA school as a second career. You can go to PA school as a non-traditional student. You can go to PA school right out of undergrad. And so I just love the fact that your journey, you know, wasn't a straight line to PA school, that you did have some kind of curves that you had to curve around. But it's really important for people to understand that, that everybody's journey is a little different. And the fact that you're setting this wonderful precedent for your daughter saying, chase your dreams no matter what, you know, I just think that that is so amazing and so uplifting. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Yeah, what an incredible example you are for your yes. for your daughter. That's amazing. Thank you. thank you. Yeah, at the end of the day, she's my number one motivation for everything. So Aww. I 
hoping I'm setting a good example. I'm trying my best. <laughs> so you said earlier that you weren't sure that you would get into PA school. What was your CASPA cycle like? Why, why did you think that? I guess I'm just naturally like, I don't know. I think we all kind of deal with that voice of self-doubt and mm-hmm. we find ways to cope with it. And as we get older, we learn, you know, how to build our self-confidence. But I think definitely I just had that voice of self-doubt that was like, yes, but I know I, I have this, you know, that looks great on paper, but what if? And, oh, but there's yes. so many competitive applicants and there's only so many seats for each each, you know, each program and just letting that voice of doubt get into my head. But I think because I had my daughter and because I was like, look, do I want her to be like, yeah, let me listen to my inner voice of doubt and just stop myself. Or do I want to show her like, look, I have these doubts, but I'm going to quiet it anyways. And I'm still going to try. So ultimately I still tried, even though I did have those doubts, it wasn't a specific, like, this is why I feel doubt it doubtful. It was just I think overarching, it's a very competitive, you know, field to go into much like many things are these days, it seems. And um, yeah, I just found ways to quiet that inner voice of doubt and shot my shot. Yeah, so we talk a lot about like finding your deeper why. And so you really, really dug down. So yeah, this is, you know, this is, I want to go into medicine. Well, why? Well, you know, I've always loved medicine. I want to set a good example for my daughter. Well, why? Because I want her to grow up knowing that you can trace your dreams. And so I think you really seem to dig into your deeper why. And I think that's really important because that's going to shine through in your application, in your personal statement, and your supplemental essays, when you're interviews and people asking you why you want to be a PA. And so I think that that is a difference sometimes between people who can push forward through the doubts uh, versus people who kind of shut down with the doubts and they, they don't take that next step forward is because they really haven't kind of dug deep enough. They kind of had that shallow why, but they need to dig a little deeper. Um, and we always say the doubts are the loudest right before, you know, you get success. So right before you achieve your dreams is when the voices are going to be so loud in your head and everybody's going to say, don't get your hopes up, you know, and they're trying to be nice. Like, we don't want you to be disappointed and all this doubt comes. And so the true successes are the people who can understand they have this doubt, but just like you push through it and still have the audacity and still have the guts and still have um, the strength and determination to push submit, even though they're unsure what's going to happen. So kudos to you. That's awesome. Yeah. And we talk a lot about imposter syndrome and like, where is that from? You were in podiatry school. Like, where is that even from? And you were doubting about getting into PA school and yes, it's different, but still like, where is that even coming from? You know, (laughs) Uh, I guess also, too, maybe the fact that now that I think about it, that since it had been, you know, some more years in between that, I was like, well, you know, I'm a little older now. I'm more non-traditional, quote unquote. I have a child. Like, they're going to look at my stuff and be like, oh, but this was back in, you know, when you were this age. And how do we know that you still have it? And then to asking myself, how do I know that I still have it type of thing. So I think that was definitely played a factor in the, in the self-doubt. But I think that uh, I did have to take one of the prereqs I didn't have for my undergrad, which was in biology. I never had to take microbiology. So I did take that when I was preparing to apply. And I, w- I took it at a local community college. And that was kind of like a mini step to be like, okay, well, if I can handle the microbiology and I can do well, maybe that's a little bit of proof that, okay, I still have it, quote unquote. And I did really well in the class, finished with an A, it was fine. So I was like, okay, you know, maybe, maybe this will work out. All right. So what are some tips you have for maybe students who are where you were a few years ago, who are thinking about PA school, who have decided 
They're thinking about CASPA. They've got these doubts. They Maybe they have some grades they aren't proud of, or maybe they don't have as much shadowing as they'd like. What's kind of your best tip you'd have for students who want to or are preparing to apply for PA school? Yeah, I think when it comes to the whole self-doubt factor, just like letting yourself know that everyone has it, whether they show it or not, whether they seem like the most confident person, at least to some degree, everyone has that inner voice of doubt at one point in their life or another. And just letting yourself know that it's okay, you are human, and that's yes. normal, but not letting it get to the point where it stops you from reaching your goals that you want. So ways that I found personally that I recommend to other people that have helped me to kind of quiet down that voice is to just practice things like mindfulness, mm -hmm. trying to be mindful, trying to do, like I utilize um, Headspace, it's a guided meditation app. I try to stay in the moment, I try to utilize things like positive self-talk. So I have like a daily mantra. I look in the mirror, I tell myself, you are smart, you are confident, you are capable. And I have another list of ones, uh, positive affirmations that I say every night with my daughter to try to like instill that in her while she's only five, because that's not, that I never even knew about positive self-talk, you know, like right. things like that until maybe a couple years ago. Right. So I think it can be super beneficial for her to learn young and to just like build that habit. So I think if you can build those habits while you're applying or even, you know, definitely before you get into PA school, it will even help you not only while you're applying just to feel more confident, but if you do get in and when you do get in, like manifesting, you know, things like that definitely will help you when you're a student to try to push forward when things do get tough because they do oftentimes during PA school. But if you can build up that like mental callousness before you're in PA school, it's definitely going to prove beneficial to you along the way. It's so funny you say that because we are huge proponents of, you know, meditation, vis visualization, manifestation, that sort of thing. And a few years ago, we were both like, oh, that is so woo-woo. Like, <laughs> like, you know, what if it's like this Headspace app or the Abide app or whatever? And uh, now we're like, you know, huge proponents of it because your thoughts really do create your reality. And, it, you know, again, like just over the past few years, we've been doing that. And it, it's a game changer. It is. And I think it's something that, yeah, like many people either just discount or they look over and it's something that can really be helpful, like we said, and it, it doesn't take that much effort to do these things. And once you kind of build the habit and you realize what it entails, then you really have nothing to lose, in my opinion, from at least giving it a shot and trying to build these habits. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, okay, so let's transition to, you know, CASPA. Obviously, you got into your school. What was didactic year like for you? I know that you've just finished and you're kind of about to start your clinicals, but what was didactic year like? And then how is being a mom and having those responsibilities, how were you able to balance that? Because there might be some students that are going to be in similar situations. They have a family, you know, maybe they've got a kid, something like that, and they might have more tags on their time. And so tell us a little bit about how you deal with, especially as a single mom, you'll deal with those responsibilities. Yeah, so as a whole didactic, I mean, as many people know, it has quite the the reputation behind it. <laughs> Torture, right? <laughs> Torture. <laughs> so it's like I went into it knowing it wasn't going to be a cakewalk, and I think that's helpful, like just going into it knowing like this is going to be like nothing before. I don't know what it's going to be like, but I just know it's going to be, you know, very challenging, and I need to, you know, stay flexible throughout the time. I think that's something I realized was 
flexibility is key, especially with my didactic year. I, we call ourselves, my cohort, the, the COVID class because we are the ones that started, we started in May of 2020. So, you know, right yeah. after Corona hit in March was when things started getting crazy. So we went from like, okay, we've been accepted. We're going to be full-time in-person PA students. Here we go to like, no, just kidding. You're going to be full-time online PA students. And okay, nobody knows what that looks like. Like the, the professors didn't know, we didn't yeah. know. So we definitely had to be able to roll with the punches and go from being online to now my final semester of PA school we were entirely in person. So then it was like, okay, I'm used to being online. I've gotten in my groove. I'm doing well. Oh, now I need to figure out how to be an in-person PA student. Okay, let's, let's figure that out. So definitely being flexible yeah. and being able to roll with the punches as best as you can um, will definitely help you in PA school, especially now with the ever-changing day-to-day that is coronavirus, uh, definitely. But additionally, I think that whole mental aspect of like building your mental like callousness and just being positive and finding those outlets will help you during PA school because you if you've been accepted, essentially, I feel like you have what it takes to get through the courses, but you have to be able to tell yourself that and you have to be able to dig deep when you just feel like crying or you feel like, I don't, I don't know anything. You know, you're just feeling that imposter syndrome. You have to find some way to pull yourself out of it because essentially you don't have time to be in that inner hole of self-doubt and you don't want to dig too deep into that, that you can't pull yourself out. So I think that would definitely be beneficial to just make sure you have those steps in place, whatever it be, whether it be prayer or meditation or whatever your outlet is. Like for me, finding time to go to the gym helps me physically, but also mentally to get in a better place. And spending time with my daughter definitely helps give me a break and keep me grounded. So, and of course, like as you mentioned, I am a single parent. So I think the majority of PA students still are not you know, married or without children. And then there are like a smaller cohort who are you know maybe married with kids mm-hmm. and then there's like a smaller division of us that are like single parents just kind of you know figuring this out it's kind of uncharted territory almost it feels like at <laughs> times and uh my advice to people who maybe are in one of those smaller minorities whether it be because you're a single parent or you're a first-time college student or whatever it is that that makes you different and feel kind of almost isolated at times, not not intentionally, but just, you know, kind of feel like you, your fellow classmates can't fully relate to all the things on your plate. I would just let them know that they should try to reach out to people online. There is, as we're seeing here, there is the community of people in the PA world online that you will find that do, you will find someone that has that similarity between you. I know I've already personally met a handful of other single parents, uh, single mothers specifically, who are in PA school. And it's really nice sometimes just to know that you're not the only one, even if you feel like it, you're yeah. like, okay, no, there's at least one other person. <laughs> you're not <laughs> alone. <laughs> yeah, you're like, okay, you know, we got this. And, and just knowing that definitely helps. And, time, and more practically speaking, time management 
has to be key. You have to be kind of on your game with time management because you are going to be pulled in many different directions. Being a parent and being a student, you're going to have to try to find that balance as best as you can. So quote unquote balance. And just tell, the thing that I tell myself is that this is only temporary. I'm only a PA student for 30 months. My program is 30 months total. So I tell myself like, yes, this sometimes it sucks. Sometimes I feel bad and I just want to go back to the days where, you know, I was working from home and I could spend every free time minute with my daughter. But I, and, but I tell myself like, look, I'm studying right now and I'm taking this time away from her to study because it's going to help not only my future, but her future, and it is only temporary. So keeping that end in mind, beginning with the end in mind and keeping your eye on the goal, so to speak, definitely helps when you do get in those moments where you're like, wait, what did I sign up for? Why am I doing this type of feeling, which I feel like we all feel at one point or another during PA school for whatever reason. So do you have a really good support system just because like, how do you juggle the day-to-day activities of being a parent and... PA school at the same time because when we were in PA school it was like 8 a.m. to like you know whenever you went to bed it was so you know it was so in-depth and, and and it was a lot and I'm not sure what your program is like but I could not even imagine having kids in PA school like again like you're a superwoman because I you know all you can focus on in PA school is like the next quiz the next test and just making it through uh, so do you have a really good support system or how does that work yeah I do. So thankfully, um, also too, like I said, uh, we were online. So at first I was, we, we all hated the idea of being online, but then we all end up loving it by the end of didactic. We're like, no, we don't want to be in person. <laughs> don't make us go. Uh, so I, that helped a lot because my daughter was in pre-K at that time. She just started kindergarten. So it was nice that when I was at home, I could go in between classes on Zoom, you know, and drop her off and pick her up when I'm done. And it was very nice to be able to just, you know, have that flexibility that comes with being at home aspect. So I think that helped a lot. I didn't have to worry if she was sick, who was going to watch her because she could be in the other room, you know, taking a nap if she's sick and I could be on Zoom doing what I need to do present in class, although not physically on the campus. Uh, However, then of course I did have to go in person my final semester, so then it was a little more stressful in the beginning to be like, okay, well, you know, I have to have a little more structure with her being at school because I have to physically be here and I can't just leave or miss days. Uh, So thankfully that is one of the reasons why I chose the program that I'm in. Uh, Thankfully I was, I interviewed at two, so I I applied to nine schools. I was invited to seven, and then I interviewed at two. Um, thankfully, I was accepted into both of those, and I really liked both programs, to be completely honest, but it came down to one of them was here in my hometown, and the other one was about four hours drive, so I wouldn't have my family over there, and I knew practically as a single parent, I needed to be where I had that village that support system at so that's here in San Antonio I do have my basically my mother lives in town my father lives in town my grandmother is actually still in really good shape for her age she lives in town I moved to be on the same side as them so they're all within like a five ten minute radius for me and thankfully they're all willing to help out when needed when I have an early rotation or a late rotation coming up 
like my surgical rotation is starting in a week. So it's like, okay, you're going to pick her up on this day and you're going to take her on this day. Like we yes. kind of just have a game plan and I have, you know, my little village of people who are thankfully so willing to help me and they understand the, the bigger picture and without them. Yeah. I don't know how I would be doing it. I would have to have money to hire help but of course you know when you're in school living off loans you don't have a plethora of money so right. I don't know but yeah definitely being able to attend school in my hometown with my family around has been paramount yeah support system really important and I love the fact that you basically you're like hey my surgical rotation's in a week but I already know who's picking her up one day who's, you know, taking her, and so, again, you have to be, you probably have to be a little bit more just organized um, than maybe other people who don't have to worry about anybody else but themselves, and so I think that that's probably a really key to your success is the fact that you make plan A, plan B, plan C, because you know, because you have these outside responsibilities that you can't just leave it to chance, that you have to have a plan, and that, you know, I think it's really smart to go where you have your support system, and so whether that support system is online and anywhere, or if it's people in town like you have, or it's family and friends, whatever it is, we always recommend like definitely make sure you have your support system in place before you start and that way you know what's going to happen you know if a b or c happens so uh that's really really smart for you um and i think it's really essential if you do have outside responsibilities as a pa student to okay you've got to you've already got it planned out for next rotation and for this rotation and what's going to happen because that's so necessary because it's just more stress on you if at the last minute you have to like scramble around and find something and then you can't be focused on school because you're scrambling. So I think that that's really key to success. So any listeners who might have some outside responsibilities, uh, listen to Ariel. <laughs> she's doing it right <laughs> and she's uh, being successful with it. So uh, time management and planning is definitely key. We're in the thick of interview season right now. Do you have any tips for candidates that are interviewing? definitely so uh, I know interviews obviously can be very intimidating I know many of them are now virtual and I feel like sometimes that can be more intimidating for some weird reason it's it's almost like counterintuitive but mine were in person like I said it was right before all of the COVID craziness began but they were both MMI style so the mini um Mini, what is it? Mini multiple multiple interviews. mini interviews, yeah. <laughs> okay, yes. <laughs> and I know a lot of people are also intimidated sometimes by that style. However, I, I kind of prefer that style. I don't know. I, I went up back in the day for podiatry school. All of mine were more traditional sit down, me and the faculty member, or me and, and it's upwards of like two, three, four faculty members. And that was very intimidating to be in there for like, 30 minutes just getting grilled about why do you have this score and, and tell us about this and I, it was very daunting so I, I prefer the MMIs because it's less time that you're in there so less time that you can screw things up and then less time that you have to you know quote unquote perform and quote unquote be on your top game and, it, and it's honestly fun because it's a different scenario in each room that you go into or each virtual room now I guess that you enter in and so to me it was kind of fun to challenge yourself and be like, you know, I don't know what's on the other side of that door. I don't know what they're going to ask me, but it's fun to test yourself and to say like, okay, I got this, whatever it is, I'm just going to let my personality shine through and try my best. And if I feel like it went well, that's great. If not, I'm going to wipe the slate clean, enter in the next door and act like I just had the best interview before because like you, you can't let it get you down because then you're just gonna be on a downward spiral throughout the rest of the interview day. And uh, I think that 
definitely knowing that with MMIs, nine times out of 10, they want to test like non-cognitive. So they just want to know your personality and they just want to see if you on paper matches you in person and if you know you are likable and fit with their program. So just being able to find ways to be your true self during that is definitely helpful. And I think that helped me in both of my interviews. I just, like I said, I did my positive affirmations before. I put on my favorite songs on the car ride there to get myself in, in that mode, you know? And I did, I stood with my power poses before each door and whatever you have to do, even if it seems silly or seems little, it might be what you need to give yourself that extra boost to just, more confident be yourself and have a good MMI yeah no I love the fact that you're like hey I'm still using my mindset I'm still using the skills that have helped me get here to help me succeed in this and so it sounds like your mental game is really on tap and again we feel a lot of people we feel like don't pay attention to their mental game they don't pay attention and then of course when those doubts creep up or they feel like they can't be themselves they can't be genuine but you have to remember that people interviewing you are PAs, and so they interview patients for a living. So we can usually tell when people aren't being themselves and genuine. So I think it's so true. You put it, you know, the nail on the head when you said, hey, you've got to make sure that you fit with the program and the program fits with you. That's a really important part of the interview to make sure you guys mesh well. And so that's some really good advice for our listeners, and that's what we've been telling you guys all the time. You've got to make sure that the program is right for you because every program has a slightly different culture and values and mission statements. And so really, really important. Our last question. We ask everybody this, and you are transitioning to your white coat right now, or have you already received your white coat, your short white coat? Yes, we have. We didn't get a white coat ceremony yet oh. because of COVID, you know, went, but uh, <laughs> yes, I do have mine and and um, excited to have it. Okay, so who is Ariel when your white coat comes off? So when my white coat, my new white coat, you know, when that comes <laughs> off, I am, of course, uh, a single parent, a mom through and through. Uh, my daughter is my world when I'm not studying, when I'm not doing school related. Nine times out of 10, I'm with her playing Barbie dolls, doing mini, mini golf. We went yesterday. She had early reliefs from school, and so we enjoyed some mini golf. She's a ton of fun, my little best friend, I call her. So I'm definitely with her nine times out of 10. On that 10th time, maybe you could find me uh, doing other things that I love. So I love just working out, being outdoors, traveling when I can, of course, not as much during PA school and right. during the pandemic. <laughs> Course, but just doing things that make me happy and that bring joy to my life and help me relax from the moments that are not so relaxing during PA school, just trying to unwind and have fun with life, trying to enjoy life and make the most of it. And if the listeners want to get in touch with you, how can they get in touch with you? Yes. So they can reach out to me. I'm on social media, of course, on Instagram at PA Liera. That's P-A underscore L-E-I-R-A, my first name backwards. And I also have my podcast, of course, and they just search Becoming a PA on any major podcast platform. It should take them straight to the podcast so they can hear in real time my experience of PA school from orientation day to now till graduation day eventually. (laughs) And yeah, I'm always happy to answer questions if people reach out on Instagram never hesitate to contact me and we'll get back to you eventually and more more probably sooner than later honestly it gives me a break from studying and I love reaching out and hearing people's stories and helping them in any way that I can 
Thank you so much for your time and for being on our podcast. We know that you're super busy in PA school, so it really is an honor to have you. And thank you for sharing your information and your tips and everything for our listeners. And we're really excited for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Where the White Coats Come Off. Before we let you go, we want to let you know about our PA program directory. This will help shave hours of time off researching all the different PA programs. Our PA program directory comes in Excel format with an easy-to-use, at-a-glance prerequisite for every program. It includes application deadlines, the required prereq classes, of course, GREs and standardized tests such as the CASPER test and the PA-CAT requirements, pants pass rates, and it's updated every single year. So you pay one price for the PA program directory and each year we update it and you get the new version at a download. This is a super easy way to go through every single PA program in the US and pick out which program is best for you, which program values your strengths. Check it out in the show notes or at, at prePAclinic.com. Have a great day and we'll catch you next time.